Whether you're buying a new car, a used car, or refinancing your current car, FedChoice Federal Credit Union could help save you money. FedChoice makes buying a car so easy that you can do everything right from your smartphone or on a computer. Become a member today and you can take advantage of their great rates and financing options. Find out more at FedChoice.org. That's FedChoice.org. Membership open to federal employees, including contractors and their families. FedChoice Federal Credit Union, insured by NCUA. All right, Polini Perspective, Episode 62. Very special guest today. I think you jumped in episode. Okay, 61. Okay, probably 61, yeah. <laughs> 61, 62. I mean, we're headed to 100. What are we going to do? Yeah. Um. So, okay, we have an awesome guest. We do. Someone who's followed the podcast for a long time, and I feel like an ally of mine. Uh, I'm going to guess he will be an ally of yours. So David Heyman is here. We're super exciting. Marketer, Washingtonian, runner, as well as as Patrick is a runner. Marketer. So that's, marketer. Um, so David, thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I enjoy uh, listening. Most of the time when I listen, I yell at Patrick for either <laughs> getting things wrong or just saying stupid things. So now I'll get the chance to, uh, to do it in real which time. Which is quite often. <laughs> well, I said, to, I said to David, which most people that listen to this podcast are now onto, I really am like a pop culture connoisseur and not politics. So lots of times I know you're wrong. I just really don't yeah, have a listen, response. <laughs> fake it till you make it. You know what I mean? Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> um, so look, we have a lot to cover. Local stories, national, of course, the uh, update with President Trump and Mexico and that whole deal and agreement, which we talked kind of briefly about last week. Locally, Rayful Edmonds is a big story. Uh, big drug kingpin here in D.C. in the 1990s um, several times has basically advocated for being released. Mm-hmm. Um, he was sentenced to life in prison, no parole, but seems like there's a big debate about that. Um, and then also Kyle Koshiv, is that how we're saying it? I think so. Koshiv, sure. who's the Parkland student, applies to Harvard, initially gets Pro in. gun parkland student pro gun which is part of the story but go ahead and then yesterday we find out harvard has taken that back yeah rescinded his acceptance so where do you guys want to start so i can't wait to hear like all let's start with with trump okay let's talk let's talk trump and of course sarah sanders a hundred thousand people are descending on florida right now for his uh 2020 election re-election announcement so excited well, how many <laughs> residents are there in uh, Florida? There's several million, right? So I, would, I think there's more than hundred. <laughs> it's not quite Hong Kong level. <laughs> no, it's not. Although, okay, so I, how do we know this is true, right? This is like, you know, I, I've seen his daughter-in-law on Fox. He's come out and said, oh, there's so much interest. But I mean. Uh, well, this one. So from a local news perspective, our, one of our Orlando reporters at our sister station down there, we had live this morning and last night. Apparently it is true. People have been waiting in line for like 40 hours, she said. They've been there the entire time. They've sold 100,000 tickets. There's only 20,000 seats, so now they're setting up screens outside. Uh, Listen, Florida is, he can't win without Florida. Most Republican candidates in the last 20 years can't win without Florida. And, uh, you know, you're always down to those final eight states, Ohio, Wisconsin, North Carolina, Florida, and so forth. So... I think he picked the right state to to, to kick it off, but uh, it should be a hoot. (laughs) It always is. I mean, he won Florida by only 1% in 2016, so it's smart on his uh, standpoint to be there and to start his campaign there, and it will be entertaining. That's the thing that you can probably rely on. Yeah, and I I think that's the one state he can get 100,000, which will look impressive. Um, But no, here we go. We, well, it, and do you are, think that's true, David? Do you think he really 
do you think there's 100,000 people RSVPing and wanting tickets? I always have a little bit of skepticism when it comes to Trump and numbers. Uh, <laughs> but given that uh, it is his kickoff that's been publicized for a while in advance, and it's it's going to be a big event. So I, I think there are going to be a lot of people there. Um, well, lots of Trump news, too, this week. You know, Sarah Sanders yeah. stepping down as, you know, um, his uh, I'm losing the word here, but her title. Press secretary. Press secretary. Press Thank secretary. you. Um, so how do you why do you feel like all that is or happening? Advocate and oh, yeah, a lot of things. I think she's kind of morphed because, you know, obviously from a press standpoint, there's been. She hasn't done a briefing in 100 days. But besides right. that, beside that, she's the press secretary. Yeah. Um, is this a surprise, do you think? Um, I, I don't think so. I think she was tired. I think it's been a long run. She has been. She was with him a year before uh, the election. So you're looking at uh, almost two and a half, three years now. She's been... Uh, I, I think she has made some mistakes. I think she... Um, I think she's lied on his behalf a few times. However, I also think she's been severely mistreated by the media i think she's been a strong advocate for him and a very good spokesperson for him and the administration i think he will absolutely miss her um he has encouraged her to go run for governor of arkansas which sounds interesting and she might obviously her dad was uh, a former governor so uh it'll be interesting to see uh, what she does but i think i think he'll miss her for sure I mean, I was surprised yet because he seems like it seems as though she's been the best candidate for him. I think she's been a strong supporter of his, but she acted really only in his interest as opposed to, I think, working to bring information to the public. And I think she was one of the people hurt most by the Mueller report because she told the truth when she told Mueller, talked to Mueller, which is that she lied twice about uh, the very important uh, reason that Comey was fired, that yeah. FBI agents had been coming wow. and yeah. uh, telling them that they didn't support Comey. And she admitted to Mueller two things. One, she, well, she lied about that twice. And she said the first time it was a slip of the tongue and the second time it was in the heat of the moment. Those aren't good excuses no, for a press secretary because you can secretary. get in front of the microphone the next day and say, I need to take that back. No, I don't, and, you know, Sarah and I, and you've obviously well aware of this. I, you know, I, I believe that there's two things can be true. One, she lied and she shouldn't have. But I also believe that with Trump and, and the way he has handled the media and, in my opinion, has exposed a large majority of the media um, to the bias that they had. I believe had prior to him, but now it's been exposed. Uh, I and again, I'll say she's I think been a critical piece of that. Her Kellyanne and a few others um, continue to come out and fight for him and and what he has tried to accomplish and 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 unfortunately have to have cleaned up a lot of his <laughs> um, yeah whether it's tweets, comments, whatever you know. Listen, we, we've all discussed he's made a lot of mistakes and, and clearly, yeah. I think, has stated some untruths throughout the last two years. But we're living in a different yeah. era because it used to be that that press briefing was important to the people to understand what was going on in administration. And now with Twitter and everything else, we know what Trump is thinking most of the times. And so we don't need somebody to yeah, tell it's us. It's an interesting point you make. I, I wonder, let's say Trump loses. Does it go back to some normalcy or maybe certainly not to the Trump degree of tweeting, but has the the way a future president communicates with the general public changed forever? 
my sense is it probably has changed forever. Certainly not to the degree of Trump, but I don't think it goes back to the Obama days where you don't think you think Joe Biden's going to be if Joe Biden wins. Well, that's a good point. I mean, that's if if uh, I mean, Bernie Sanders seems more active even on Instagram, like obviously his base, I think, is younger millennials, you know, that he fires up. But even I don't know, I think they go back to old school, don't you? I think politicians are going to learn that the media doesn't play the same gatekeeping role that it once did. And so they've got other methods to get their message out. I also think out. if it's a Democrat, obviously, if Trump loses, it'll be a Democrat. I, I think they're more favorable. I think they treated Obama much, much better than they treated George W. And, and on and on. It's just the way it is. People in the media tend to be more liberal. And you, know, you and I have talked about it. It just I don't believe it it had been exposed to the degree it has now. I think there's some fantastic journalists out there. I think there's some great reporters, investigative reporters. And I think a lot of the reporting on Trump has turned out to be accurate. Having said that, I do think there are a large majority of so-called journalists who've become pundits and they've moved into the opinion realm and they want things to be true, like the Mueller report, like the collusion, and I think have 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 um, sullied their reputation. Okay, David, tell us like all your thoughts. Do you agree with that? Well, I think the line between news and opinion has has gotten really cloudy these days, and so it's difficult um, to remember that when you're hearing one reporter, and it could be CNN or MSNBC or Fox, when you hear a reporter talking, it's facts, and then they go to the studio, and it's opinion all of a sudden. And so that so mixture... let me ask you, do you think Rachel Maddow should be on the panel for the debate? No, because I don't I think she's a journalist. I, I think she's an opinion person at this point. Yeah, I agree. Wow, we agreed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just don't think, just like I don't think Bill O'Reilly should have been if he had still been working, or Tucker Carlson should be, or Hannity should be. Certainly Brett Baer, yes. Martha McCallum, yes. I think Wolf Blitzer, yes. Mike I Wallace. Think, you mean Chris Wallace? Chris Wallace. Yeah, for sure, and I think MSNBC has... Some people who are probably on, although they have less, they're more show driven throughout okay. the day. Um, that's such a fun, that's such a hard but line. But I don't think I mean, Rachel Maddow should be. Without a doubt, I don't think she should be on on the panel um, asking questions for the debate. I think it's a big mistake by M- by NBC. That's yeah, my opinion. okay. I'm yeah. I'm surprised to hear you say that, David. She's pure know. opinion. I know, but they, I feel like everybody. I mean, it's like we talked no. about, like everyone is. I mean, unless Listen, you're going everyone with... Everyone brings a bias to everything. It's just yeah. how it's portrayed. Like, I'm sure Chris Wallace has, and Brett Bear have certain thoughts on issues. But it, it doesn't fully come out. And there, and listen, there's other reporters at NBC, NBC and, and, and CNN and others that do the same thing. It's just, you would not have shown... If, 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 if Tucker Carlson was asking questions on a debate people would be going nuts but if it's rachel maddow it's okay okay david what do you think she's the same i think uh as much as possible you want to play debates down the middle because you want the story to be the candidates and not the especially with 20 candidates by the way real quick what we could touch on this because i know we have a lot of things what do you think about how the dnc has done the debates random 10 and 10 well, I think it, it turned out not to their favor in in how they tried to be random because you've got Biden and uh, Bernie Sanders on one side and Elizabeth uh, Warren on the other. It's, I think it's Sanders 
uh, Biden and Buttigieg, right, on one side, and Kamala on one side. Warren's almost by herself. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which so is it means yeah, um, that it is... could play well to Warren because it means she might it's have more that time. more to herself. But it's two nights, it's 20 candidates. It's also yeah. a long time before the election. So this is early. And I think it's, it's good to get them starting to talk on so stage. I was, I was watching Michael Skirmanish from um, uh, MSNBC over the weekend, and he actually came up. He's been proposing and talking to the candidates and the DNC chairman about an NCA bracket type process, not to the degree where somebody wins and somebody loses and that person doesn't move on to the next one, but where it's maybe more of a two, you know, four people or six people over four nights or just to get more voices. I mean, to give one, a person more time, I guess. Okay. With 10 people on the stage, how much time is one person going to really get? A couple of minutes, maybe. If that, right. Yeah. It's going to be like... So they're looking for sound bites instead of really getting into right. good discussions so that they win the spin. Plus, it benefits the people with the name recognition already. I think it yeah. hurts. I mean, it's, it'll be harder to have a breakout moment in the debate. Than Where's our friend Beto? Yeah, you know your friend Beto. Oh, <laughs> you're not a fan? <laughs> no, because I agree with Patrick. Politics, you either win or you don't, and and he didn't. So him and Stacey Abrams are to me are not the stars of the Dem Democratic Party because they were in high profile elections in winnable races and they didn't win. Yeah, mm. and that's the difference okay. with you know we talk about the media, and again I know I get criticized sometimes because I am in the media. I'm not a journalist, but if if a Republican lost a closely contested race in let's say New York or California. They would have been they, like the media one they would have dismissed them. But Stacey Abrams and Beto lose closely contested races in Georgia and Texas and they're stars. That's the difference. Well, but don't you think because it was so close? No, I no, mean, no. If they were especially if in Georgia, if it was I feel role like... reversal California New York and a Republican came close but lost, they're no longer stars. The media would just dismiss them. Stacy and Beto are stars because the media propped them up prior and propped them up post. And they like them and they like their message. Correct. And they're young and they're yeah. giving, yeah, right. uh, giving a, a good... Uh, uh, For me, Stacey Abrams is the much more viable future candidate. Than Beto? It's not even close. Stacey yeah. brings, I think, a lot to the table. I don't agree with her policies, but I think... From a from a where she's been and what she's accomplished, much more than Be I think Beto's just completely been exposed. I think we might not hear much after about him after this presidential election. Let's talk about Mexico because you have some strong feelings about this story, David. Um, this has been in the news. They've obviously done a deal um, in regards to immigration, all that, and and this was like looming U.S. tariffs hanging mm -hmm. over Mexico. So, David, tell us, you know, start with this. There was a deal signed. Tell us a little bit about your thoughts um, because. You know, we were talking last week on this where Trump came out and said, oh, you know, deals already been done. And essentially Mexico was like, we don't know anything. Here's about the deal. But then there's a secret deal yes, that we can't yes. tell you about yet. It appears and this is going to make Patrick happy that <laughs> there's there some progress there. Now, yeah. it all is going to depend on the execution. Right. Mexico is going to say, I mean, it sounds great that they're going to put 6000 National Guardsmen on the Guatemalan border. If you look at the size of that border, that's nothing. So it's not going to stop anybody. Correct. So uh, it, it's all really going to depend on uh, how they execute the deal, whether our administration is ever going to be happy with anything they do, how much of this is politics, especially going into an election I think year. a lot of it's politics, you know, coalesce the base. 
but I agree with you. Uh, you know, again, I, I think that it was widely reported. Oh, there's probably it's been done. There's no secret deal. He said he wanted the Mexican president to announce it first. They thought that was and that's exactly what happened. And there seems to be at least the the the, the foundation, the tenants of a real deal. Now, the secret deal was an agreement to have more discussions. So we're, uh, yes. we're, we're, we're not quite there. And. I heard recently that Guatemala is now involved because this is a Central American issue. It's, it's really not a Mexican issue. Exactly it's right. not a Mexican issue. And how Trump is going about this with the tariff threats to Mexico, with taking aid away from uh, Guatemala and Nicaragua, uh, we'll see We'll see how that works. It, it could make conditions worse and, and the I same agree. way that his announcement of the tightening led to the bigger numbers coming over the border because the message was come over now. Right. And I agree with you 100%. Mm -hmm. What's interesting to me, though, is that the debate never seems to be what are the Democrats doing? Like, it's always about, well, Trump, Trump did this. He shouldn't have done that. This isn't going to work. That's not going to work. That's a bad policy. He's using the media. It's politics. Never do you hear what are the Democrats doing about the crisis on the border? Zero. They've done nothing. But they do want to make an no, agreement. They don't, they don't they want to take kids don't. away from their no, families. No. They want to throw sound bites out like about one four year we old. We talked about this though. Obama had some of the toughest immigration. We're not talking about Obama. Obama was a better person and candidate than anyone in the Democratic Party right now. No one wants to do anything in the Democratic Party right now except beat on Trump and, and, and keep re rehashing the Mueller report, rehashing everything he has said and does. There are a bunch of sound bites. There's no policies. They don't want to pass anything. It's 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 honestly well, the House has been passing lots and lots of bills that don't even reach the floor of the Senate. True. McConnell's uh, been an a in, little bit of in, a. In terms of Mexico, Mexico, <laughs> Mexico is foreign policy. So to, to some extent, you know, Trump says, oh, the Democrats could solve this in 15 minutes. I haven't seen what it is he wants them to do that would solve this because it's it's not solvable in 15 minutes. It's a problem that's it's built not, up over I a do, lot of years. We talked about he had a five pillar approach. Now, this is going back a year, year and a half, which I thought actually was bipartisan. Yeah, you liked this. The I dreamers. Like it. I thought it was, you know, the dreamers stay path to citizenship, right. which, by the way, two of those things, his base and the Freedom Caucus would not have liked. So he's willing to go out on a limb. You know, this is that big round table where he let the media in for hours and hours, and then the, the Ninth Circuit ruled against him on the Dreamers, and it fell off because the Dems said, we just won the, the, we don't need to make a deal because we think they're here to stay for at least the foreseeable future. So they backed away from whatever bipartisan agree he lost that leverage which okay that's politics but at least there was a deal there i mean there was a some sort of policy that i think could have been negotiated in at least the framework of a real immigration policy so what do you think do you, david do you agree with that i think we're not really in an era where we do bipartisan because it falls apart for one reason or another yeah. as you said either on the right or on the left those sides once there's any compromise they dig their heels in and so we're not about getting things we done we can't even be bipartisan on uh, supporting the 9-11 victims yeah you know I, I mean I have to say I was really I thought that John Stewart 
was great was on great. you know Capitol Hill um, last week, and I had no idea. I mean, I certainly knew that so many people were impacted, of course, by Ground Zero and everything that was in the air and all of that stuff. But I didn't realize it was such a fight to get funding. Yeah. For them. Which is just amazing. Too. Yeah, that blows my mind because, um, like John Stewart said, I mean, oh my God, they're all about well, our army that, and military I, I, no. and, uh, his, I mean, his, Memorial his, Day. And then they don't want to fund I it. Mean, his six-minute, you know, passionate um, statement, speech, whatever you want to call it, was also in reaction to the fact that apparently most of the committee didn't show up, which was embarrassing. Yeah, right, he right, called right. an embarrassment and a stain on the nation, which he was 100% right. And then he called out McConnell, McConnell for blocking certain bills. Uh, but no, I. we have to get back to some... Yes, you're right. The House is passing a lot, but there just seems to be no... No agreement. Well, on I mean, basically, right Stewart now. was there for arguing what Bernie Sanders wants, which was universal health care. So these people can go that now have terminal cancer, get treatment without mortgaging their home. So I'm just saying I'm that's sure another that reason that you should, it is. It basically, he was saying, like, for them to they should have the, be able to go have like normal health care. They should have the funding to do that. I'm not yes. sure you need universal health care for that. But yes, I he, which is everything that our friend Bernie wants. Well, it's just like the V.A., I, you know. I think people who why you don't you're not a fan no no I think people who fought for this country should really have 100 go to the VA anytime you want the crop yeah it's there's just too many loopholes we have the money for this and I will agree with some of like the the Kamala Harris's and so, there is money in this country for those types of things I don't agree with universal health care I don't agree with a single payer system however VA 9/11 victims. There's plenty of money in this country for those initiatives, and the fact that they're used as pawns and leverage for other purposes is is shameful. It really is. Um, okay, and you know, I I I hear what you're saying on that one, and I wanted to just end our conversation about Mexico. Is there anything else you want to say about this, you know, bill passing? Because it seems like there's still a lot of. I think we haven't seen yet what yeah, the, what the impact is going to be. I don't think we've seen the impact. I, I, it's going to take time, but the fact that we're talking with Mexico and with the other governments in Central America, that's a good thing. Okay. It's a good thing, yeah. Um, all right, let's talk. Uh, yesterday, you know, trending all day was Kyle Koshif, the, the student from Parkland, who's been uh, openly conservative. A document was circulated that was a private Google Doc between he and some of his peers uh, when he was 16. He's now 18. That used the N-word, seemed... You know, obviously very hateful with hate speech. So Harvard has rescinded his application and acceptance of Harvard. I want to hear all of your (laughs) thoughts. I mean, this is this I think is fascinating. I was saying to David before you got here, Patrick, I feel like there has to be more to this story that they found out other things about Kyle. Something. You want to go first? Well, I think uh, I could have gone either way. If I was making the decision at Harvard, I could have decided to keep him, I could, I could have decided to let him go. But to me, uh, when I look at this issue, it's the, he did all this when he was 16. Well, we have kids who are 15, 16, say the Damascus High School incident mm-hmm. where we say, treat them as adults. This right. is a serious issue. So I'm less likely to say, oh, he was only 16, so it doesn't matter. When you're getting into college, everything you do at 16 is what is your record, Absolutely. is what you're asking them to judge you on, your grades, your extracurriculars, your sports. So I'm okay with them taking the the path they took. Uh, he's going to get an education. It's just not going to be at Harvard. Yeah, so we're going to... You cannot agree with yeah, that. Yeah, we're going to kind of agree on this. <laughs> kind 
kind of. I'll give a little different twist, but we're going to kind of agree. I think two things, multiple, I, I think multiple things can be true with this. I think it was a mob mentality because he was pro-gun and conservative. They went after him. They have been going after him. And this was a conservative orchestrated effort to hurt him. Who's they going after him? The media, the social viral lefty, whomever they are. Having said that, I agree with David. He has no right to go to Harvard. It's not, uh, I think when you're 16, that is your resume for college. He wasn't 12, 11, he wasn't 13. Or this isn't him going for a job at 40, who already had a career, and then you found out he did something at 16. I mean, he's only, what, 18, 19. And by the way, it's not like he said some really bad things. Yeah. Really bad thing. Well, that's so, what David was saying too, right? There was some, I guess, I don't know if it, it was. In more than that one circumstance yes. Yes. is, yeah, is, what, is what I understand. Correct. So when and, I and, see and it, and I. It wasn't just the word. We're talking about the N word. It was the way he used it. It was derogatory. Right. Descriptive. Um, I mean, disgustingly inappropriate descriptive. So I have no problem with Harvard rescinding it. I think the fact that it came to their attention, however, Right. Almost probably doesn't matter. I do think we have to be careful. It is a slippery slope. Look at Oberlin, who just sided with their student against the Baker in Ohio. They lost a 30, they got a $33 million punitive judgment against them for libel. So Mm -hmm. I I think that, I think universities have to be careful because now are you going to go back and look what everyone else did or said when they were 16? Now, I would say a very, very, very small percentage of the people in Harvard probably said those things when they were 16. There may be some. And if it comes to your attention, are you going to treat it the same? So I think you have I, to be consistent. I agree. I feel like that was kind of an interesting um, move. That's why I said to David, there has to be something else there. It, it may be the fact that he's high profile. I mean, because... Listen, I, Virginia saw a racist governor. Like, yeah. Like, let's... Like, where's the line? Like, where is the line? Now, granted... Virginia can't just throw him out, or he would have been out. So that's a, that's obviously a different. It's not apples to apples, right? But where's the line? Um, I, yeah, it's a really hard one, and I feel like there has to be a ton of kids at Harvard that have done either inappropriate things, and not just the N word, but you think you know sexual assault is obviously a big thing. You know, there's so many Listen, things. I, but I agree with David. So, the, he he doesn't. He's not entitled to go to Harvard. Harvard has every right to rescind it. I'm sure. I'm sure it's in the. I'm sure it's in the documents or whatever they sign to accept it. Uh, he and will get an education and he'll be fine. Somebody's going to come up with a scholarship for him somewhere. But um, and nor should you say those things. So I, I don't buy the argument that he was 16. That's not that long ago. Yeah, I agree right? with you, actually. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, he did write. We were talking about this. Kyle did write a very, um, you know, a, a sorry and, and, you know, was very. It was interesting, by the way, not to interrupt, but it was interesting. He did get a response back from the he sent a letter yes, to the harvard yes. diversity uh, it has a name i can't remember right and he, he got we look forward to having you on campus and working to <laughs> and then harvard and apparently harvard wouldn't even take a one-on-one meeting with him that's to, why i feel like there's more there and i, I think you're right two years yeah, ago was not that long and w- my thing is like too i always think about these kids because obviously you know we said stupid things like when we were younger or whatever but i mean but when you write that hateful I, yeah, my thing sorry. is where's that coming from is that a family belief is that i mean it wasn't okay I'll you know i don't example. think kids so some of the and again i may have these facts wrong but 
there was a few, uh, I think it was a, a quarterback for one of the NCAA championship football teams in the last two years who had used the word, uh, he won the MVP, I believe, but in the context of a song, that's, that's way different. That may be stupid. Right, that's not right, what, right, right. If you read what the, apparently Kyle wrote or said, in yeah. him, it's, that wasn't just using the word. It, it was very offensive. It was derogatory. And he knew what he was saying. I in agree. my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so it, wow. It sounds like, again, we found some middle ground. 90%, 90% agreement. <laughs> <laughs> All right, locally, this story continues to get a, a lot of discussion. Seems to now every few months. But Rayful Edmonds is a um, convicted drug kingpin that was here in the 1990s, really given terrorized, a given a life sentence without parole initially. Really terrorized neighborhoods in Washington, D.C. And it wasn't just like dealing a little bit of crack cocaine. I mean, this was like massive amounts. So it does seem, though, we've gotten to the point where the prosecutors in this case want him to be released or have that chance. They're they're talking to the neighborhood. Because, but just give us some Yeah, context. yeah, give us. Because um, he uh, helped them through right. turning uh, evidence, witness, uh, uh, I believe almost 100 people he had been arrested because of information that he had. So as part of that, the DOJ is considering releasing him early. So that's where we're at. Okay. So you've been here for a long time. I mean, he cooperated evidently over a 17 year period. So a lot of bad people get their sentences reduced because they provide something of value that helps Uh, his impact on the community though. At the time he was uh, a crack kingpin was massive. And so what I think is most interesting in this case is the judge has reached out and asked for community input Mm -hmm. instead of just making a decision and uh, deciding to throw him back. So I think that's good. Uh, I think that uh, his his impact was was wide felt. Uh, He was involved in a lot of bad things. The the drug dealing, there were evidently 30 murders committed. Oh, yeah, I'm sure a lot. None of of which he was charged with. But uh, as a result, as well, a result of everything just the that, addiction, that went on. I mean, you know, whether I mean, he didn't force anyone to take drugs, but the reality is he was a supplier. And, you know, we all know drug addiction just destroys families. I mean, so his impact ripples way beyond, you know, terrorizing a neighborhood and, and murders. I mean, it's, you know, lots of those families lost loved ones. I mean, thousands of people died because of drug addiction and yeah, still I, do. I so a few things on this and I was, I didn't grow up here, so I don't really know the impact other than what I've read and what we've reported on Fox 5. What I think we have to be careful of, and David's right, you know, people do get sentences reduced for providing information. um, And, you know, clearly if he's taken 100 people off the streets, that's a positive. However, let's not make him out to be something he's not. He's he was a ruthless drug kingpin who probably not probably his actions his actions had a huge long lasting consequences for families and so forth so let's let if he gets out fine there should be very tight restrictions on him or he goes back uh but let's not make him some sort of like folk hero here uh for trying to do you know he whatever he did to help convict these other people he did for self preservation yeah i think that's the question too is uh, you know what i in reading these stories it's sort of like well what other self-reflection has he done you know obviously you know know. he says he's he's remorseful but what you know actions within prison aside from um or maybe that's enough i I mean maybe that's enough now we have a tendency to make like somebody who was really bad look better years later he was really bad 
That doesn't mean he shouldn't get out early. Right. I don't know enough to, to, to really make that. Like who call. else? No, I like OJ Simpson. OJ comes on Twitter and he Over has five hundred six hundred thousand followers, right, almost a million whatever. followers. Like th- there's a Mike Tyson. He raped someone and went to jail. Yet he's on every show, movie. He, you know, he served <sighs> his time. Okay, but he. It is. I know. I know. It's, you know what I'm it's, like, some people seem to weather those storms, and then their image gets even better. Like they they really yeah. can't do anything wrong. And Other I'm not people. Mike Ty- well, I mean, he he did commit a heinous crime. I, there's people who just seem to like could say whatever they want, do whatever they want, and yet they're still endorsing major corporate products. Well, we have a short attention span now. Right. I think. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the absolutely. pace of media stories is such that something that happened three months, six months ago, it's hard to even remember anymore. Uh, but uh, clearly he was given a life without parole sentence because at the time when they weighed all of the things that he was convicted of, it, it merited that. And you think about what it takes to get that sentence, which is generally murder yeah. uh, and nothing else, I don't think. Uh, so uh, to, to look at that, to revisit that sentence, he cooperated. Um, but, you know, you've got mob kingpins who were involved in murders who get into witness r- protection yeah. And, yeah, and, no. yeah, that's and true. go on. So uh, I don't think. And it would be. I'd be curious. You know, I think obviously, the judge is handling it well, though, right? Would you agree? Yes. You know, reaching out to Carl Racine, who is the uh, DC uh, attorney general, attorney general, and get community input because obviously what he did impacted the community. Um, so I, I think we'll see. And I'm always curious for people like that. You know, can you come back into society? I'm sure that people still hold a, a big grudge for him. You know, it's like, how are you going to? I mean, can you even come back here? How old is he, by the way? I don't know. I think he's only in his 50s. I think he's a fairly young man. Yeah, like like 59 or something, maybe 60. So he still has a a long way to go. Um, Speaking of OJ Simpson, (laughs) that's been a huge trending story since the weekend when he joined Twitter, said that, you know, he had some getting even to do, which I don't even know why. I think this just goes to OJ's narcissism. Um, OJ versus the people. Did you ever watch that series? A week removed from the anniversary, correct? Yes, 25th anniversary of Ron Goldman and Nicole Brown Simpson's murders. was on the 12th, I believe. Yeah. Right, the, Are, white, the white Bronco. Have you been following this, David? I, I, as little as I possibly can. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, he's entitled to be on Twitter and he's entitled to say what he wants. But uh, I, when I was thinking about it, I might like, keep looking for the real killer, OJ. Okay. Yeah. It, 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 and and go away. Ugh. Yeah, I know, but. It, I mean, and to be fair, hundreds of thousands of people are following him, but basically people just troll him all day long right, about, do, yeah. you know, I mean, you go under the comments and it's just one, you know. Great to see you taking a stab at Twitter. It's just really horrible. It's like it's basically oh. that. Yeah, no, that's all it is. It's that's like bad. it's a you really know, terrible it, joke. He wasn't convicted of the crime, and and we kind no. of have to remember that, even yeah. though that was a travesty. Even though we wrote the book, if you know how I did it, or if I did it, you know. Yeah. Um. All right. What other stories do you guys want to talk about? I mean, probably we're going to war with Iran, thanks to our president. So that you know, I'm sure thanks we'll end well. How about thanks to a terrorist or country? <laughs> Like, I love how we blame America for trying to stand up to a terrorist. I just want well, to fire you Well, there's a little bit up. of both because <laughs> he, Trump withdrew from the, the agreement he and did. now and put heavier sanctions on. And now Iran is enriching, oh, stockpiling more, enriching away. more uranium because they, they're sort of stuck because they have but higher sanctions. But you just sanctions. hit the nail on the head. God, I invited you on and we're agreeing. I, there is two sides to <laughs> yeah, it. How come but all you read is how... It's Trump's fault. Again, he he was the president. He is the president. He made a decision on Iran that he didn't like. He Which can't, Obama by the warned way, him about. 
when well, this all went on. down, we don't there know was if so- it's a bad decision yet or not. What we do know is he campaigned that he did not like the Iran deal. He made fun of Kerry. He made fun of Obama through his entire campaign. He's the president. He pulled out. There was no surprise there that he was going to pull out. Okay. So let's see where it goes. But to blame America for the way Iran acts is absurd. Um, it's not absurd because we've known how Iran has acted oh, so for years and them? years and years. Well, we had an agreement and they were abiding by the agreement. Well, we don't. We, as best the U, I mean, the UN investigators were there and we withdrew. And so we put Iran in a, in a position. Uh, so, yes, he ran on that, but yeah, he ran on. A, we put them in a position to continue to be terrorists. They're a difficult actor to deal with. I mean, there's no question about that. But we, to your point, like we're we, hoping they don't act like ter- a terrorist. Card. Like that's what the, that's where the conversation loses. Me. We criticize. But why Trump. would you withdraw something that was working? That's the crap with deal, Trump. Though, to not be a terrorist state, right? Yes, the deal might have been better. It may have kept them in check. I agree with that. I don't know though. You know, we don't know where that's going to go yet. But the conversation on social and in in some of the newspapers, blaming America. And Trump for the way Iran acts, targeting tankers and potentially stockpiling more weapons and being, uh, you know, sponsoring terrorism. Most countries in the world do not act like that, and they don't need to be part of an agreement, a bilateral agreement, to not do that. So let's not let's not say that they're acting somehow. Their response is somehow justified. It's not. Countries don't act like that. Well, it's a difficult situation, but Trump had statements about Iran in the election, North Korea, China, Russia. We're now two and a half years into his term. Those still are all problems that, are. that have not certainly have not gotten any better, and they many are. of them have gotten worse. So I think I'm going to judge him on the, the totality of it, uh, and it, it, well, it's I a think difficult Iran, situation. Iran seems to be getting worse. I'm not sure North Korea is worse. I don't think it's necessarily better, but I don't think it's worse. And Russia, I mean— he, Trump is accurate when he says he's put more sanctions on Russia in the two years than the previous administration did in eight. That's fact. Even the New York Times has said that's fact. So I'm not saying they're working or Russia is becoming good actors in in any way. Uh, But at least, you know, there's some sense that we're... And now what have we sent? Another thousand or two thousand troops that we're going to be sending? To Iran. Right. The Middle East, they said. Yeah. To the Middle East. We'll see. Uh, yeah, that one will unfold. Um, okay, so in the newsroom, we do have some big announcements. 4 p.m. news, you would announce that. But now uh, we yeah. have, like, the set hosts. Yes. This was big this week. It was big. Angie Goff. I was in shock. Oh, my Goff. Oh, my Goff. Oh uh, Angie's joining us from, you know, News 4 across the street. Yes. She's uh, had an awesome career. She has. She's uh, very well thought of. Uh, great following, certainly yes. on social. Uh, and, you know, Blake McCoy, who's also from NBC on the network side. Right. We're going to co-host the 4 o'clock news. So we're real excited. Which kicks off July 8th, right? July 8th. Okay. And one hour newscast. One hour. David's going to watch every day. Every day. I know David's a big fan. Yeah, he is. <laughs> so um, what can we, I mean, do you guys know, I'm sure you're not revealing everything about the 4 p.m., but are we going to see something different? Is it going to be a fairly traditional newscast? I mean, we're, you know, are we you always try to do something a little different. I mean, but it's going to be, you know. It's the first news of, of, of record for the early evening because obviously we sign off at 11. We do some digital stuff throughout the day, but for the most part, that's going to be the first news. So we're going to, what happened during the day, what you could expect moving forward, weather, all that stuff. But 
and with Angie and Blake, who I think bring, you know, certainly an authentic personality from both of them. Uh, and also a different perspective on how things are done at a different network or station. Right. Um, plus, you know, Angie is very um, um, lively. I mean, I think she'll she'll just between lots the two of personality. Of them, yeah, you yeah, can yeah, already yeah. see based on the promos and some of the other things, and it's not forced. It, it, you know, obviously when you create promos, you you know, oh, please act like that. I, but you could just tell that there's a natural chemistry there. And, and Caitlin Roth's going to do the weather. Yep. And um, off we go. I'm I'm actually really excited. I think that's going to be a great combo. And then it, it, you would announce. We're to glad it. she's working for us. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. That was, yeah. Know, did you hear that in the promo? That was yes. good. Yeah. I love I'm Patrick sure, takes sure all channel, these digs at uh, four. I love it. Like constant. Four. They're a great station. Um, no, it is. It's really exciting. And she's also going to do like it or not, she's which gonna is do, she's going to do like it or not at seven. A big well, show. So she'll do the four. She'll. Uh, she'll do some sort of whether it's an oh my golf segment or some other segment between five and, and six thirty seven. Uh, she'll be on like it or not. Uh, yeah, so we're we're real excited. I know that is that's big news here for the station. And she's going to do her own podcast. Which will oh, be I know, great. but we podcast out of the same place, yeah. so I, I get to see her. Yeah, which we allowed her to do. Yes, which is great, and it'll also bring out I think you know more. You know, she wants to do positive stories and interview people of great great you know who've done great things in the community or have just really great stories and uh, so that'll add to i think the entire package the whole combination yeah. yes angie has great energy and i think she's well liked in the in the dc area well known yeah uh, definitely so i think it, it's a it's a good get yeah uh, it is, it and is. it should bring some excitement to that so broadcast. david what uh what are you working okay on? yeah david give us all the scoop what are you writing for washingtonian what's going on in the marketing world we need all of your advice uh, As you can see, we do need a lot of help. <laughs> the, the marketing world personally, has, has, has changed tremendously during the, the, the course of, uh, of my career where it was direct mail and broadcast advertising. I worked at the Washington Post for a while uh, just as the Internet was really starting to hurt them. And unfortunately, their strategy was hoping the Internet was a fad and was going to go away. And uh, it's uh, it was a good thing, I think, that the, the Graham sold uh, yeah, the Washington oh Post. Yeah, oh, my God. They've century covered. Uh, because uh, Jeff time. Bezos brings, obviously, a, a much different perspective. Uh, and uh, the the Internet and, and how they use that is uh, is now changing. But how you reach people, how much people now control who they get messages from, all of this is changing, but in a way that is is really a challenge. But everything is now so measurable for marketers that there's a lot of data. And so that's what you're really seeing is the emphasis is on gathering data, collecting it, making sense of it, and then figuring out how to target the right message to yeah, the right everything person. Everything is very measurable except for Nielsen. <laughs> That is, I, Nielsen and radio me. is in the same boat. It's yeah, still like it's so amazing that so they can't target. It, yeah, that's really I, crazy. I mean, you know, we've talked about this. You, you Google something or you, I mean, even talk about going on a trip somewhere. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're getting ads sent to your phone, you know. For, yeah, it's like spying on you. Yeah, And Nielsen real. can't tell us to really any accuracy who's who's watching television. It's It's unfortunate. It really is. David, this is like a huge question, but like in one minute, how would you market a TV station? Um, Good question. And and I've had some conversations uh, over time with Patrick and with other stations in the area because what you're seeing, uh, I, I, I've seen a lot of parallels in the newspaper industry to, to what's happened in TV, right? In, in mm. that you're dependent on 
people watching at a certain time. You're dependent on on the advertisers reaching the market that way. But yet the audience is declining in terms of linear TV, getting their news from other places. You see less sports news uh, on local news because people have gotten their sports scores elsewhere. So uh, it's really a question of figuring out how to reach people where they are on the platform. So if it's Instagram, if it's Snapchat, where are people that you want to reach? Alerts, Facebook. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's and very you know, difficult. We've talked about this. It's tough. And we're fortunate that we're a Fox station in that yeah. we're not beholden to a lot of network programming. So, you know, the, the what we've tried to accomplish over the last three to four years is duplicate what we did in the morning, you know, being on seven straight hours in the evening. You know, the, this theory that we only could be on at five and six and then not anything in the 10. So now once we launch the four, we will be on four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, and 11 between the two stations. So we've, we've been able to now, not, well, hopefully, <laughs> duplicate. And to David's point, we're pretty much on all the time, except for a small gap during the day. And yeah. then we are on, we have a digital news show that we do. Uh, because people's viewing habits, patterns, lifestyles, how they want information when they want it. We have to be there all the time. Plus the syndicated programming market, you know, which are the reruns or new, uh, you know, new hosted type shows. Like Wendy Williams, you've got Judge Judy. There's few and far between now that succeed. They're expensive. Yeah. And so I'd rather go, go with our own talent. Uh, They do the same number. I own all the inventory and I'm actually now, you know, using my talent across more more time periods and more platforms so it's we'll see i mean it's i give it two years only people that'll be left wendy judge judy and then we'll be 24 7 news so by the way how often has a general manager given you maxi pads oh my god this is amazing okay i have to thank you patrick so you know outside of here everybody knows i do this show called the hey fresh podcast which is like completely howard stern it's crazy Uh, do you think it's good advice for patrick to come on we, we have this. You Absolutely. do? Have you yes. listened to my regular podcast? Yes. I could survive your podcast. I, I just seem like to oh not God, we get so invited to anything yesterday. By you. Okay, well, you're coming on in two weeks. Okay. Um, we're going to have a woman on that married herself, okay? So you're coming on to that. Or we have these two hot twins she's, that she's married. smart. You just had one who married the Statue of Liberty or something, right? <laughs> she's an object sexual. Yes. She's married to a chandelier, yeah. Okay. And she told us how she, yeah, it was way too, did you listen to that? It's so inappropriate. See, I, see, we if find I was out on these people podcast, are making love to drum kits. You no, want to no. be on that? If <laughs> I was on your podcast, I would have had a great response to object sexuality, but I'll, I'll oh, hold really? it. Oh, really? And by the way, she would only come on if we wouldn't make fun of her. Okay, if you had been there, <laughs> oh my Lord. Um, but anyway, so on Thursday night, we're doing a live podcast show. We teamed with I Support the Girls, which is this organization that women in crisis, domestic violence, homeless women, they supply pads, tampons, underwear, bras, because people never give that stuff to homeless shelters. So you just gave me like this huge bag. This is awesome. Thank yeah, you so well, much. My wife went out and bought them. Kristen is amazing. Thank you. She Does she want to come? We have like male dancers opening the show. I mean, you're welcome to go. <laughs> she <laughs> may want to come. I'll let her know. <laughs> well, she gets two VIP tickets. So yes. if she wants to come, she is welcome. You, is your daughter back? In, no, your daughter's working. Never mind. Yeah, so she, say your daughter should come too. They'd have a great time. Lap dances for everybody. Like, <laughs> I mean, you're welcome to come. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just, you know, teach is on, right? You don't know. I'm always like, the day that Patrick comes on, we're going to have to have so much alcohol because I'm like, it's so inappropriate. What? We're going to just have to mute your mic through all those. Yeah, don't I could. uh, The only thing is, this podcast we can edit. The other one, uh, it's completely. (laughs) 
live. I'll just keep my Patrick. You haven't said anything in twenty five minutes. He's still there, Patrick. He's still there. He's still with us. I'll yeah, just yeah. nod. Well, these are awesome. Thank you guys for the donation, David. Where can people follow you? You're such a supporter of Patrick and Fox Five in this podcast. So thank you. I'm on you. Twitter a lot at uh, DCBorn61. Yeah, you're awesome. You listen and comment like yeah. on all Thanks of for our coming shows. In. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, you need to give him way more hell though. Oh, he does. I try. Me. He does. He basically gets a report card after every podcast yeah. of the things he did okay. right. And I don't think I've been above a C plus. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, what have you got going on this week? What is like? I mean, you're so busy. Crazy this is crazy. Stuff. World Cup's doing really well. I know. Go USA. Um, I mean, they're poor sports, but you know, minus no, that. Oh, stop! Oh, we didn't even talk about that. <laughs> did you see that they had the? Um... I'm just joking. I thought it was great. Yeah, no, it was fine. I mean, come on, they're professional athletes at that point. No, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, Fox, uh, we had the U.S. Open this week. We have the World Cup. We've got a lot going on. New, new, new 4 o'clock news. I know, yeah, you're going to be super busy this summer. Okay. New buildings coming along. We're up 10, 11 floors now on the new building. Joe DiCipio says you're off all the time. He says you're hardly <laughs> here. He says you're hardly here. Joe DiCipio's on a boondogger right now somewhere. Like he, DiCipio is always says you're not working. Oh, uh, poor Joe. <laughs> poor we need Joe. to bring Joe back. Too. We got to bring Joe back as well. David, thank you so much. Patrick, we'll see you guys next week. Yep, thanks. thanks for having me. She still has a key card and they never change the locks. So here she is, she's Sarah Frazier, brought to you by Fox. I said she still has a key card and they never change the locks.